Good afternoon and welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Knute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll have details on today's USDA WASDE report. Also, John Drieger with Leftfield Commodity Research will join us to talk about corn prices. And up first in today's country comment, we'll recap this week's crop report with Dane Fraze of Manitoba Agriculture. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Manitoba Agriculture says total seeding progress sits at about 44% complete. That's below the four-year average of 51% for this time of year. Dane Fraze is with Manitoba Agriculture. Somewhat warmer conditions did spur more advanced uh, crop seeding progress. So we're seeing cereals and peas largely wrap up in the Red River Valley and parts of the central region and moving on to more sensitive crops. Uh, corn is getting close to being completed. It's, it's over the halfway mark right now, and uh, we're seeing soybeans and canola go in uh, fairly aggressively over the past couple of days, especially yesterday when it was uh, nice and warm. Talk about those overnight temperatures and, and the impact that's having. Overnight lows dipping into the freezing, uh, below freezing, uh, has really impacted the, the uh, rate of crop growth right now, particularly for forages and pastures and winter cereals, uh, things that are already up. Every time it freezes, it delays and it slows down crop emergence and crop growth. And having those freezing temperatures occur when we have sensitive crops that are above ground, like uh, soybeans or canola, can really damage yield prospects for those crops. That's why farmers were really waiting, in many cases, to put those crops in the ground after conditions warmed up or that they would be above the surface um, and we should have a lower risk of frost later in May, hopefully. Still pretty dry out there in, in a lot of areas. It definitely is. Uh, the lack of moisture is not helping. Um, however, we did have that rainfall about a week back that really did help uh, replenish the topsoil moisture just in the soil uh, germination zone, at the, the top inch, inch and a half of, of soil surface. So that's helped crops that have been seeded since that time go into moisture and crops seeded before uh, begin germinating uh, effectively. So we're seeing pretty good germination for the most part, though emergence has been slow just due to the continued cold. However, if we have warmer conditions, we'll expect to see root growth uh, ramp up quickly and uh, roots start exploring the soil uh, for as much water as they can possibly find at this time. And hopefully uh, we're going to see rain uh, fairly shortly that will uh, feed those crops and, and get them going on to the next stage. Conditions look pretty good for the rest of the week. Um, you expect to see uh, quite a bit of seeding get done? That's right. Uh, we're sitting at about 44% uh, seeding completion across the province. It's certainly much higher in, in certain pockets, the Red River Valley being one of those. And as we have nice warm conditions, I would expect to see seeding nearly wrap up in the valley uh, by the end of this week. However, there are some of those really sensitive crops, edible beans, for example, might take a little bit longer to com- complete. Anything else to highlight? Or? We've highlighted a number of links on the weekly provincial summary. Uh, it has been really cool. I mean, cooler than normal. We're, we're typically less than 50% heat accumulation for this time period uh, compared to the 30-year average, and I just wanted to highlight the last spring frost map. So um, that is the average, or one year and two, 50% risk, which shows varying spring frost dates from May 13th to May 31st, uh, depending on your region, and it's uh, sometimes helpful for farmers to consult that. We've had a very open, uh, relatively easy seeding season so far. It's been cold, but uh, field access hasn't been a problem, so in, in some cases, more sensitive crops going in the ground earlier than they would have been in the past. Uh, and if they do start germinating and poking their heads above the soil surface, 
Um, if we do get uh, a later frost, that could be damaging. So it's just cognizant to keep in mind that uh, frost dates. But we still haven't likely seen the last frost date, but we're hoping we're out of the woods right now. That was Dane Fraze with Manitoba Agriculture taking a look at the weekly crop reports. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon. I'm Corey Canute. Dr. Michael Eskin, a global leader in canola research and one of the world's leading food science writers, has been chosen to receive the Order of Manitoba. A professor at the University of Manitoba, Eskin earned the Order of Canada in 2016 for his work on the physico-chemical and functional properties of canola oil that is key to the success of the Canadian canola oil industry. His work changed the agricultural landscape in Manitoba and Canada, making canola oil the third largest major oilseed crop in the world. Volatility continues with the corn market. John Drieger is vice president with Leftfield Commodity Research. The corn prices are maybe uh, maybe not quite as dramatic as, as canola, but certainly uh, we have a futures market that's trading in multi-year highs and cash bids here in our own backyard that uh, at similar lofty levels. So so really, it's uh, it's it's really had a pretty dramatic run up here if we think back to say last summer, early fall, when I think ideas were that uh, first of all the U.S. crop would be bigger than it turned out to be. So so supplies were a little We've also had uh, surprisingly good demand. And soybean planting is underway in Manitoba. Cassandra Kochik is with Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers. I would say it's just getting started for soybeans. Starting with Dennis Lang, we both figure about 80% of the pea acres have gone in. I'm expecting soybeans seeding to really take off here, maybe about 10% so far, and to really take off over the next uh, few days. And the Manitoba Crop Alliance is contributing $500,000 to the University of Manitoba towards the building of the Prairie Crops and Soil Research Facility. Construction of the new facility will begin next year. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Aguire for Wednesday, May 12th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, John Drieger with the Leftfield Commodity Research will join us to talk about corn prices. Joining us now is John Drieger, Vice President of Leftfield Commodity Research, to talk about corn prices. The corn prices are maybe uh, maybe not quite as dramatic as, as canola, but certainly uh, we have a futures market that's trading in multi-year highs and, and cash bids here in our own backyard that... Uh, at, at similar lofty levels. So, so really, it's, uh, it's, it's really had a pretty dramatic run-up here if we think back to, say, last summer, early fall, when uh, I think ideas were that, uh, first of all, the U.S. crop would be bigger than it turned out to be, so, so supplies were a little smaller. Uh, we've also had uh, surprisingly good demand, and, and as we, we think over the winter, uh, particular export demand out of China, but we've also uh, you know, had good feeding demand in the U.S., uh, and then as, as we sort of go along uh, through some of the other areas here more recently, there's concerns about dryness in Brazil. And, and so really, you know, it, it's like over the course of, of the, the winter, we've sort of had this steady tightening of the U.S. balance sheet to the point where kind of the, the ending stocks and carry out for the current crop year, uh, it's going to be the tightest in, in about seven or eight years at least. And, uh, and and still shrinking further. So so really the corn market has just kind of been responding to this this steady uh, tightening not just in the U.S. but globally, and, and really that's what's uh, what's been driving this market higher. Uh, you know, not just on U.S. futures, but even in our own backyard here. The higher prices here is that going to impact other items? You know, like uh, like gas. Yeah. So so probably I would say from a from a crop market perspective overall. I mean, they, there's a phrase "corn is king," and, and in many ways that's true in terms of its importance in terms of, of grain markets and 
and, and crop markets, you know, it, it really, uh, uh, you know, it, it really, of, of all the crops, would be the one that, that has the single biggest impact because, you know, it's such a large crop. It covers so many acres in the U.S., even in our own backyard here, affects feed grain markets. You know, barley prices have been high, feed wheat prices have been high, and, and, and there's, there's multiple factors to that. But, but certainly, you know, in, in, from a crop market perspective, the effects of corn do spill over and everything else, uh, even battling for acres, which has pushed up uh, soybean prices, and soybeans have been tight as well. So, so really, it's, it's, as these markets are, they all kind of are, are interwoven and, and, and connected. And so, you know, the corn has its own independent story, but other ones are also tight, and, and they're kind of all linked. Uh, but within that, uh, because of corn's influence, you know, it really does uh, does have the have have a sort of an outsized impact, if you will. And uh, as, as you know, none of these commodity markets are an island onto their own. They're sort of playing off each other. And and uh, and then within all this, uh, uh, a speculative element that comes in as well. Lots of speculative buying interest. We think about corn, but but also commodity markets in general. You know, we've been seeing higher you know, crude oil prices and. Know, even lumber and some of those things, and, and all of those things kind of sort of buy into this this narrative as well for for commodity prices. So it it, it really it really has multiple tailwinds that have uh, really pushed prices higher. Corn planting underway now, I guess. How's the um, crop shaping up this year? Yeah, well, so so far in in, uh, in if we think about the U.S. and again, that's the one that really drives markets. You know, good strong early pace of planting in the U.S. Uh, so that all else equal should be good for crop conditions. By and large, most of the U.S. is is in reasonably good shape from a from a weather perspective. Uh, so, in, in that sense, not any uh, let's say early season uh, alarming threats. Uh, but within that, of course, uh, you know, as you start getting into North Dakota and, and even here, for example, in southern Manitoba, the extreme dryness is is very much on the radar. Uh, so, we think about from a broader corn market perspective. Well, North Dakota isn't as important as something like uh, Iowa or Illinois would be. Uh, but even so, you know, it is a market that uh, that essentially needs every bushel it can get. And so any potential yield loss, uh, if we don't get some rains in, in some of these even more, say, fringe areas from a corn market perspective, makes uh, makes an impact. And so, uh, uh, but, you know, it, it, it's going to be really volatile. And, uh, you know, any any risk of a, of a yield hiccup in the U.S. in particular, I mean, that's just only going to light even more fire on this uh, on this on this corn market here. So it's. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's certainly going to be volatile. The summers are often volatile from a from a market perspective because of weather. It just seems like uh, this year that's just started even even sooner than it might typically be. That was John Drieger, vice president with Leftfield Commodity Research, talking to us here today about corn prices. Continuing on today's Prairie Eggwire, Glendalee Allen Vosser talks with Wayne Thompson, the new Chief Executive Officer for the Flax Council of Canada, about his new role and the Council's goals. Wayne, of course, people in Saskatchewan, very familiar with you and your role with Sask Flax. Talk to us about your role now as CEO for FCC. Stepping into the role of the Flax Council of Canada, uh, the idea behind that is to create some synergies in the industry. Uh, I will continue to be the uh, executive director of the Saskatchewan Flax Development Commission because we 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 know that the flax industry has a lot of opportunities, but we don't want to create a bureaucracy-heavy industry. So having having everything work have, having Two organizations in the same office will create some communication benefits, 
The Flex Council of Canada has gone through a process of developing a new business plan for to, to determine a way forward for the benefit of the flax industry, not only the farmers, but the traders, the processors, the exporters. Because uh, after doing a review and consulting with the current Flax Council of Canada members and other stakeholders in the industry, it was determined that there is a need for a national organization. There's a lot of benefits to having that voice when you're speaking to federal government in Ottawa, uh, working with international customers. They like that uh, sense of a, a Canadian presence. So we're, we're working on our new business plan that focuses on market access issues uh, to maintain the trade with the world and our customers we have and new customers that we're going to have to seek out as we continue to grow more flax and diversify our markets. Uh, and then, yeah, we, we definitely have an increase in flax production expected according to Stats Canada this spring. Uh, maybe not as significant as we were anticipating a few months ago. But we know with the world demand that any increase in production is welcome. So when we're talking about production acreage, what kind of numbers are we looking at? Bath Canada came out with their estimates here just a few weeks ago. And for Western Canada or the Canadian production, seeded acres expected to be 981,500 acres. And... The Saskatchewan acreage is in the 772,000-acre range, which is about even with our seeded acres last year. And Wayne, before I let you go, we want to remind producers that the Flax Council of Canada is looking for members. Yes, yes. We're, we've got a core set of members that have been with the Flax Council of Canada for several years but we want to broaden that membership because we do have uh, a need to have more people around the table so we have a broader conversation, understand what other players that maybe aren't around the table right now are seeing and dealing with so that we can uh, benefit the industry in the broadest sense. That's Wayne Thompson, the Chief Executive Officer for the Flax Council of Canada. For Golden West, I'm Glendalee Allen Vossler. Thanks, Glendalee. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. On behalf of Glendalee Allen Vossler, I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. Manitoba Women in Agriculture and Food is hosting an egg chat on May 24th. Visit the MWAF website for details. Manitoba Pork is offering an online workshop titled What Can Biosecurity Software Offer My Farm? on Tuesday, May 25th at 1.30. Go to the Manitoba Pork website for details. 4-H Manitoba is having a video contest on now until the end of May. The contest gives Manitoba members and clubs a chance to showcase what they're doing this year. Visit the 4-H Manitoba website to register. And Canada's Farm Show is going virtual this year, June 16th and 17th. Go to canadasfarmshow.com. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Wednesday afternoon. 
Joining us now is Dan Bossy, president of Egg Resource Company in Chicago, to recap this morning's USDA May WASDE reports. The WASDE report had something for everyone, Corey, and as we look at it, uh, new crop soybean end stocks of only 140 million bushels and a stock use ratio were the tightest we can find going back to 1974. That's when USDA started the reports that we now have each month. Uh, corn end stocks, 1507, a billion five, let's round it up, uh, and, and that's pretty much a little larger than expected. So corn is down. Wheat end stocks were cut to 774. That's done 100 million bushels from last year. So from a, from a broad perspective, uh, the report is seen as a little bearish corn, uh, a little positive beans, and that's kind of the market reaction we're seeing at midday. If we think about the world balance sheet and then go to what the USDA is projecting there, uh, they have uh, world corn end stocks, 292 million metric tons. That's up about nine. Soybean end stocks at 91. That's up about four. And wheat end stocks virtually the same at last year at 295. So this assumes normal weather for everyone around the world, which will not be the case. But it's a starting point. So uh, the market will look to weather very acutely in the weeks and months to come, and that will be the big driving factor. Uh, but again, the soybean and oilseed markets probably have the most upside potential, followed by corn and lastly wheat. And how is uh, seeding uh, coming along in the U.S.? It's coming along very rapidly. We've got a record seeding pace. We're now about 50% done on U.S. soybean seeding. Uh, that's a record for this time of the year, uh, looking at about the 12th of May. Uh, we've got the corn seeding pace now exceeding 75% as we would estimate it today. So not a record, but well along. So uh, dry weather has been kind. Uh, we need to see uh, some rain in portions of the northern plains and Canadian prairies, as you know. But other than that, it's a relatively good start for U.S. crops as it sits today. And uh, lastly here, I just wanted to get sort of a general comment on on these market prices. What's leading to this rise here? And do you expect things to come back down, you know, later in the year? Well, the the old crop markets are being led uh, by the demand for U.S. from crushers in the United States. Uh, China has switched its soybean demand now down to South America. But here in the U.S., crush margins are still very high. Renewable biodiesel is a new demand driver, and so the veg oil markets, as you see in canola, have been exceptionally strong. Uh, that is something that will persist. I don't see the shortage of vegetable oils eroding anytime soon, but in saying that, we do have to watch new crop potential and the arrival of potentially a record large soybean crop at harvest. That will give the market some pause. I think every farmer needs to check his pulse and look at current prices and decide, should I be selling that old crop uh, that's in the bin, that remaining supply, because these are the best prices we've now seen since the drought of 2012. That was Dan Bossy with Ag Resource Company in Chicago chatting about this morning's USDA May WASDE report. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. The USDA released its May WASDE report this morning. Dan Bossy is president of Ag Resource Company in Chicago. New crop soybean end stocks of only 140 million bushels and a stock use ratio were the tightest we can find going back to 1974. That's when USDA started the reports that we now have each month. Uh, corn end stocks, 1507, a billion five, let's round it up. Uh, and, and that's pretty much a little larger than expected. So corn is down. Wheat end stocks were cut to 774. That's done 100 million bushels from last year. Bossy says seeding in the U.S. is moving along at record pace. Manitoba Agriculture says total seeding progress sits at about 44% complete. 
below the four-year average of 51%. Slightly warmer conditions spurred accelerated planting this past week, with more temperature-sensitive corn and soybean crops planted and expected to go in with the warmer forecast. Continued freezing overnight temperatures have limited the growing degree day and corn heat unit accumulation, which sits at less than 50% of normal for the period. Lack of rainfall has many farmers concerned for germination and timely emergence since seedbed, seedbed conditions are rapidly drying. Dry topsoil has drifted in some areas. With soybean planting starting in Manitoba, Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers has some advice on seeding dates. Here's production specialist Cassandra Kochik. Overall, the planting window for soybeans in Manitoba is actually flexible throughout the month of May. And we have lots of Manitoba-based research to back that up. The latest research is from the Pulse and Soybean Agronomy Lab, which is a program funded by MPSG and led by Kristen McMillan at the U of M. And this research on soybean planting dates has shown us that yields were similar when soybeans were planted any time from April 28th to May 24th. ADM has announced plans to build North Dakota's first ever dedicated soybean crushing plant and refinery. Based in Spiritwood, North Dakota, near Jamestown, the approximately $350 million crush and refining complex will have the capacity to process 150,000 bushels of soybeans per day. The facility is expected to be complete prior to the 2023 harvest. And the corn market continues to be volatile. John Drieger is with Leftfield Commodity Research. Over the course of, of the, the winter, we've sort of had this steady tightening of the U.S. balance sheet to the point where kind of the, the ending stocks and carry out for the current crop year, uh, it's going to be the tightest in, in about seven or eight years at least and, and still shrinking further. So really the corn market has just kind of been responding to this steady tightening, not just in the U.S., but globally. And, and really that's what's, uh, what's been driving this market higher, uh, you know, not just on U.S. futures, but even in our own backyard here. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll get an update from Clean Farms. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.